Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. This is the last Thursday before the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday on Monday, uh, January 16th. Uh, the holiday was first announced November 30th, 1983, uh, by President Ronald Reagan proclaiming the third Monday of 1986 to be the first official Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. So we do have the county executive from uh, the county name for Dr. King, uh, Dow Constantine. Uh, he also assumed another responsibility last week. He was also uh, elected once again to chair the Sound Transit Board of Directors. And uh, so uh, he has a lot to offer because they're always looking for him. And I think that's because he has a big purse down there at King County. So uh, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest uh, County Executive Constantine. And I'd just like to have you start off by talking about anything you want to talk about. Well, th thank you, Eddie. And, and thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciate it, particularly this week. Um, it is a big week at King County Government, at Martin Luther King County Government. You mentioned the 1986 establishment of the national holiday. That was also the year that my predecessor, then Councilmember Ron Sims, along with Councilmember Bruce Lang, uh, led the effort successfully to rename King County in honor of Dr. King, still the only jurisdiction in the country named for Dr. King. And of course, that is symbolic, but it brings with it a lot of responsibility, and we take that very seriously. And I will just mention before uh, we go to the rest of the conversation that today is a big day because today is the day that our employee-led celebration happened um, over the noon hour. And uh, the theme that the employees selected for this year was truth, light, and hope. And uh, it is always an invigorating and thought-provoking uh, hour that we spend together and I'm looking forward to reflecting a little bit on what we've accomplished in last year and over the course of the last few years in pursuit of our goal to live up to uh, the legacy of Dr. King and the values that he laid out for our nation. Well, I would like to have the, my listening audience hear exactly what you have been able to accomplish in, in, in those terms. Well, the first off, you know, last year we celebrated the, the 60th anniversary of Dr. King's uh, visit to and speech in Seattle. And in that, in that speech, he said that even when the work is most difficult, when the light seems the faintest, there is still hope. And th these are, these are um, observations. These are, these are um, statements that we bring our employees back to, to orient everyone back toward our true north, that we are working to make this a welcoming community where every person has the opportunity to thrive. And it's interesting because the work we do uh, with our uh, equity and racial and social justice uh, um, teams, which is large and growing, is, is to really focus on both the abstracts of values and goals, but also concrete achievements. And I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the concrete achievements. So this year we were able to in our $16 billion budget, make many more investments in community, not just being conscious of or acknowledging or bemoaning the systemic racism and bias that has resulted in present day inequities, but directly taking them on through policy and investment consistent with our shared goal, vision for a prosperous shared future. So, Last year, we were able to complete a participatory budgeting
process where communities in urban unincorporated King County uh, got together and decided how to invest money to uh, begin to overcome the, the inequities born of systemic racism. Uh, we invested $25 million. It is currently uh, under consideration by, by our gathering collaborative, which is under the uh, racism as a public health crisis work that we're doing. And that work is really focused on uh, directly taking on the results of systemic racism, the economic inequities created by it. And in our own work um, in the uh, criminal legal system, we're using the, the opportunity created by the, 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 the um, protests and the, the awakening that happened after the murder of George Floyd and others to uh, keep that door to change open and to question and reimagine what genuine community safety means, a community where every person can be safe, can be provided safety by the government and can feel safe from the government. And this year, this last year, I appointed the first black sheriff of King County, a black woman, Patty Cole Tindall. I appointed the first black leader of our detention department. Uh, and uh, I am very optimistic that we are putting ourselves on a path step by step to remake public safety. Uh, and then I want, and I'll let you talk because I've been going on for a bit. No, but, no, no, that, but that's well, really count exactly, so you need to do the talking. So I here's, some, here's something the sheriff that was on the program about six yeah. months ago. So this is what I set us on a path to do um, many years ago now, and we've been building, is to not merely have our workforce of some 18,000 full and part-time employees be reflective of the people that we serve, but to have diversity and full representation at every stratum of that workforce, not just the entry level or the lower paid employees, not just the middle management, but at the very top. And we have made really remarkable progress over the course of the just last four or five years in hiring and promoting uh, particularly Black employees who were underrepresented in that top tier in terms of pay and responsibility. And we are far exceeding our goals now, which are based on the uh, 2030 demographic projections for King County. And I'm really proud of that work. We have to keep at that because that is one way in which we as a government can ensure that there will not just be representation in those who are serving the public, but greater economic justice in our community. Uh, you know, right now, I was just curious, uh, how closely are you working with Mayor Bruce Harrell on the homeless issue? One thing I was pleased to see, I've been knowing Congresswoman, who now Mayor Karen Bass of Los Angeles for quite a while, and a lot of people gave her flack for uh, prioritizing a homeless, uh, the homeless population in Los Angeles. I guess they have about 100,000 people, and I used to kid, uh, I was really serious, uh, Congressman Adam Smith, who was chaired House Armed Services Committee, he had a budget of $780 billion. And I said, uh, you know, Congressman, if we took 10% of that, we could cure the homeless problem, a lot of other issues in America. But unfortunately, people don't want to lean that way. Uh, I work with Bruce right multiple times a week, uh, and clearly homelessness and all the issues surrounding homelessness is kind of the primary issue that we deal with, although all of these issues are overlapping and interlocked. But 
uh, we've invested in buying and creating uh, supportive housing for people who have been homeless. And the homeless population, as I'm sure you well know, is highly disproportionately Black and Indigenous. Uh, Native Americans and African Americans are uh, tremendously overrepresented among those who've been squeezed out of the housing market and into the streets. So this is not just an economic issue. It is not just a humanitarian issue. It is a racial justice issue as well. And Bruce knows that. And so we just opened the Salmonberry Lofts in Pioneer Square run by the Chief Seattle Club. Uh, their, their constituency obviously is many Alaska Natives and Native Americans who've been homeless on the streets of Seattle. Uh, we've opened buildings across the length and breadth of King County. Uh, and we are using a particular focus on correcting the racial inequities, the racial disparities in homelessness, because in as in criminal justice and so much else, that is all rooted in the systemic um, racism that is infused our institutions, including, for instance, banking, the housing market, et cetera, over the course of generations. Um, our goal is obviously to move everyone off the streets and into appropriate housing. Some people are struggling with behavioral health crises, mental health, or addiction, and they may be homeless, they may be justice involved, they may be neither, but be in need of help. And so I have proposed and the council is considering a one and one quarter billion dollar behavioral health levy for the April ballot that would build crisis clinics across the county, including one exclusively for youth. Uh, and start to rebuild the residential treatment beds that have been eroding away over the course of the last several years. This is desperately needed uh, capacity to, to help people who are struggling at the margins of our society. And I'm very hopeful that the council will pass this and that the public will embrace it in April. Well, I'm sure that it will get widespread support because that's drastically needed. I don't know how much time you have, but I do want to introduce you to uh, Reverend Dr. Leslie Braxton from uh, the pastor of New Beginnings Christian Fellowship out in Kent. And uh, he, uh, he is hosting uh, the uh, uh, Evergreen Associations. Uh, it's uh, American Association of uh, Baptist Churches. So Reverend Braxton, uh, and you probably already know County Executive Dow Constantine, but I wanted you to invite him out to New Beginnings on, on, <laughs> on Monday night. I would Rather love to. Go ahead. I, would lo I would love to have the County Executive there uh, and to uh, bring a word or two of greetings if he could be there on Monday at 7 p.m. Our guest preacher, guest speaker, is going to be the Reverend Dr. Robert Michael Franklin, uh, Pat, the President Emeritus of the um, iconic Morehouse College. Um, he also is formerly president of Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, currently special professor uh, at Emory University and formerly special professor at Stanford uh, University and was the dean of the Black Church Studies Department way back in the mid 80s when I was a student at Colgate Rochester Divinity School. So he has had an illustrious uh, career and there are very few people in this country who can speak of the uh, King legacy uh, with information and pathos like a Reverend Dr. Robert Michael Franklin, but it is an affiliation of Baptist churches, black and white, Hispanic, um, Asian, uh, indigenous um, coming together 
um, around the celebration of the um, King legacy, which is a legacy about justice and pushing this nation toward uh, putting some meat on the bones of becoming a more perfect union. So we would love to have our county exec to be there. Uh, and to uh, just say hello to the folks. I'm, I'm honored by your invitation, and I can't imagine there is something on Monday that's so important that it can't be moved in order for me to be able to attend. So let's just call that a yes, and I will then uh, inflict on my staff the responsibility of making it possible. The county right. executive, I want to, before you go, I know you're in a hurry, I would like to have the chair of the Seattle Martin Luther King Organizing Coalition to show her face in person. Ms. Sade Moore, that's uh, Dow Constantine. You know Reverend Braxton, you know me. Uh, F.A. is uh, hiding, but anyway, uh, he is one of the BSU students. She's making a conscientious effort to get younger people involved, like they have an intern program. And I had about about three weeks ago, I had five of them on the air. And I compelled them to listen to the entire program because we had people talking about minority opportunities with OMWBE and other uh, opportunities. So, uh, uh, County Executive, I know I went over your time. Well, I, 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 I do appreciate that. Is Alicia the Bartlett been on? I pardon me. Alicia, show your face. Uh, she is the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, and they're happy to stress oh, yeah. that as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I'm now pleased, I got a chance I'm to meet um, uh, everyone, and I want to mention that I'm leaving now to go to an important event that is relevant. Um, we're having a retirement event for Terry White, who I had the honor of appointing the director of Metro Transit. And, you know, I was talking about promoting, developing talent and promoting black employees within King County government. And Terry is someone who started off as a bus rider as a child growing up here and worked his way up through 13 different positions at Metro Transit to become the director of one of the largest and most successful bus agencies in the country. And he is now going to enjoy a, a well-earned retirement. And we are tremendously grateful for his service helping keep King County Metro on top nationally. And I'm going to go send him off with a proclamation. That's great. And we will, uh, 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 John uh, has already hooked up for the buses for after the march. And then another thing, I'll be calling you offline about a contribution because Sade is stuck with a whole bunch of bills. So uh, Larry Goss and I are going to get busy raising some money. So that's, thank you very that's much. That's fine. You better watch out. I'll be calling you for a donation, too. So <laughs> <laughs> take care, uh, my friends. Does uh, that mean you're running for governor? <laughs> I would never I would never make such a premature announcement. So thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you very much. I certainly appreciate you. Okay. Uh, Sade, I want to go to you right quick. And um, I, I guess you heard about Reverend Braxton. We'll come back to you because Reverend Braxton, I want you and Reverend Youngblood, if you can, stand as long as you can, because uh, I keep trying to reiterate to folks, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a pastor. He was a member of the clergy. And too often, a lot of events leave that out and that can't happen anymore. But anyway, Sade, give us a quick update on where things are. Well, um, and I hope y'all can hear me. I mean, we are right around the corner from Monday's event and festivities. Uh, it's been a long planning season. Um, like many of our members in the coalition and volunteers, we are humbly looking forward to seeing everything just be put into play on Monday. 
this week alone, we've had several amazing, so far amazing virtual workshops. Um, on Saturday, um, sorry, not on Saturday, but on Sunday, uh, we have our young, our youth event, uh, which will be uh, aired on a live stream on uh, Rainer Avenue Radio. Um, and then Monday, of course, we're bringing back our opportunity fair, which we haven't had in two years. We are bringing back our in-person workshops, which we haven't had in two years. And we are bringing back the, the, just the opportunity for everyone to be together and inside of the Garfield Gymnasium and Auditorium. Um, as I always say, for updates, to see where we are, you can visit our website at www.seattlemlkcoalition.org. Um, it's being updated uh, as we speak uh, by our webmaster, Abiel Woldu. Um, over 25 plus volunteers and members of the coalition have been behind the scenes on putting this event together. And Eddie, like you said, you know, this is in reverence to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, looking forward to Lanisha being there, that partnership that we have with Nam and her speaking. Um, I, I wanna continue that partnership. Um, truly grateful and humble for just your service and you know what you put into the community. So thank you. Um, and also you know to our pastors uh, on the call as well. Um, looking forward to you being there. Um, 40 years, we will be honoring the past, present and the future. Um, I'm looking forward to the folks uh, that will be joining us to hear about the history, to hear about the legacy of our coalition, um, to honor, you know, some of our founders, which is going to be extremely amazing, uh, to honor our interns. This is our third year of having interns, uh, in high school students from freshmen up until, you know, seniors uh, within our Seattle Public Schools uh, system. So really excited for that. Looking forward to expanding those internship opportunities next year, as well as launching, um, and it's still in progress, but uh, launching our scholarship uh, fund program. Um, so more to come on that. Um, we're evolving. Um, and Eddie knows this just by way of knowing me. Um, I am, and I say this because I'm very proud to say it, um, this event, um, this coalition has been historically led by uh, men. And I am the first woman to lead it. And it has been my, this is my third year leading the coalition. Um, when I start leading this uh, event um, and the coalition itself, I was under the age of 30. Um, and it's a, it's a second job. It's a lot of work. And I am so blessed to be able to be, you know, in sync um, with my uh, community family um, as we work together to, you know, put this event on. So um, looking forward to you all being there. Um, it's going to be, I mean, an event for the books. It's 40 years. Um, I'm looking forward to just, you know, spotlighting our vendors, um, those that have been supporting us financially, um, to the black owned businesses that will be showing up, um, and supporting, um, there's, there's so much King County Metro will be there. They have been reaching out. We're looking forward to that as well. Um, it's going to be a celebration. And, um, again, we're, we're excited for this community to see what we've done. Thank you very much, Sade. Madam Chair. Uh, okay, uh, Pastor Braxton, why don't you go into a little bit more detail? I want you to hang on because we want to go into a little sermonette on Dr. King's uh, being a pastor. But I, why don't you go ahead and, and go into a little bit more detail? You already laid out uh, what was going to be happening at New Beginnings. So if you want to embellish on that, not like Santos, but go ahead and, and embellish on that. <laughs> well, um... I, first of all, uh, greetings to all the other uh, illustrious guests that you have. Good to see uh, Executive Director 
Deborah Layden. Uh, she um, helped me last year in launching Songs of Black Folk. Songs of Black Folk 2023 is in the works. So save the date, June 18th at the McCall Hall as the Songs of Black Folk Northwest Inc. will be producing it in partnership with the McCall Hall. And um, uh, we, the support of the African-American Museum, Northwest African-American Museum was great. And it was great for me to actually have a chance to work with her personally and get to know her. And I'm putting in this plug, I need you on my podcast, Conversations with the Pastor, in February as part of our Black History series. So I'll be uh, calling you for that. Uh, Tashade, the work that you're doing is great. And so we're kind of trying to hit the community with a one-two punch. Uh, hundreds of our people at, at New Beginnings will be there marching uh, and participating um, on that morning. And uh, we are promoting it on our website and in our services. And we hope that you will encourage the folks to come out on that evening because it will be the premier community worship celebration uh, as people sit and listen to uh, not only a a mass choir sing uh, first time since the pandemic we've been able to do that but also one of the wisest sages in the community um, he's got a new book out called uh, our community values so um, reverend dr robert michael franklin comes out of that morehouse a whole experience as a student and then the president. Um, and I say, you know, the Morehouse fraternity is the largest African-American uh, elite fraternity, male fraternity in the world of scholars and thinkers. Um, and so we encourage everyone to come out on Monday evening uh, to be a part of that worship celebration. And remember this as Pastor Youngblood, who's also on this call knows that um, the Martin Luther King Jr. personified the power of the black church um, to, people refer to him as civil rights leader to shake him loose from the religious uh, context of who he was. He never saw himself as a civil rights leader. He saw himself as a pastor being faithful. We live in a day and time where uh, a lot of pastors have mastered the monetizing of their pulpit, but have not mastered the mobilizing of their congregations for transformative, uh, the transformation of their communities and the pursuit of justice and equity. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, lived a simple life economically, but a powerful life in terms of how to take the quest of a people who would come over a way that with tears had been watered, tread a path through the blood of the slaughtered, and take that, our fight for justice and to universalize it and push a nation to be true to its creed and to have faith shape the foundations of government. That's what it's all about. We Black people have always been the conscience of this country. We who have suffered the most apart from the, the native peoples themselves. We've always been the conscience of this country. This country needs a conscience because more and more it has become conscienceless power versus powerless conscience. We became conscience that was empowered through the tactics of the civil rights movement. We've taught every subgroup in America, marginalized people, how to fight. Black people in our struggle, we taught women, labor, Native American people, indigenous people, LGBTQ, etc. We taught everybody how to fight um, and, and, and to pursue equity and justice in this country. So we come back to the power of people who believe that there's a king above the kings 
and that justice is an is a divine transcendent attribute of God that ought to be in the shaping of a, of a nation and a body politic. So come out on Monday night and dip your feet in those waters. Reverend Braxton, sure appreciate that. Uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to come right back with Anisha Debarlevin, the president and CEO of the Northwest African-American Museum. Uh, so Eric, let's take this break and we'll come back. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, Visit lease.ctacshops.com. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read... And you know what? Everybody need to get in the spirit because Monday is a big day and and one person that's going to be leading a celebration that day is Anisha DeBarleban, who is the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum. And she is, and Sade have uh, conspired to make sure it's a very good event. We may have an after party. But anyway, Lanisha, let us let the people know what they're in for on, on uh, Monday the 16th. Good to be here with you today with our partners, Reverend Dr. Braxton, Sade Moore, the coalition, and all of the folks who lift up the legacy and the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., The Northwest African American Museum is just uh, thrilled that Monday means so much to all of us, and especially to our museum, because it's the day that we are reopening our museum after nearly three years of being closed 
due to the pandemic, we are reopening vibrantly and ready for full engagement with the community on King Day and thereafter. So in addition to reopening, we have a full day of programming for the entire community on King Day uh, from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. with our uh, after party. We also have some truly compelling, inspiring exhibitions showcasing amazingly talented local Black artists. And so we invite everybody to come to the corner of 23rd and Massachusetts on King Day sometime between 11 and 8 to be inspired and re-engaged with our Northwest African American Museum. We're thrilled that a nationally acclaimed actor producer and activist Jesse Williams will be our uh, keynote. He'll be uh, joining us through interactive video in a moderated conversation talking about our theme this year, which is all here and now, based on the powerful words that Dr. King gave in 1966 when he said, we want all of our rights, we want them here, and we want them now. That's our theme for this year. And uh, what about your, will there be uh, the, the ensemble that you guys assemble uh, yes. with Jason Turner in the game? Yes, the African-American Culture Ensemble will be performing. They'll be performing twice that day because they are going to be at Garfield High School performing at the MLK Organizing Coalition event. And then they're going to come over to NAM and open up our keynote program, which is at one o'clock. So we have our choir singing. We have um, Tia Nashay, which is an amazing spoken word artist here. She's going to be doing some spoken word pieces. We have local hip hop historian, Dr. Dottie Abe, who's gonna be on program with us. We have all kinds of activities for uh, children and the family from face painting to story time to um, kids uh, soccer activations with the Seattle Sounders. We have all kinds of food trucks, food vendors, uh, soul cuisine going on that day. And we have some powerful black artists who will be showcased and talking about their artwork here at the museum. We have a variety of new exhibitions. One is called The Colors of Life, and it's showcasing four powerful local Black artists, including Vincent Keel, um, Yegi Michael, Lomar Metoyer, and Chantel Jackson, who's actually from Spokane. This is going to be, I believe, her first Seattle show, and she's a powerhouse in abstract art. And then we're partnering with the Onyx Fine Arts Collective to showcase five additional Black artists in our new community living room. We've created a space for the community to come and just be, be Black, be relaxed, be joyful in NAM's community living room. And the Onyx Fine Arts Collective will uh, have a space curated with Black art in that space, opening up on King Day. That's great, because I know Ashby Reed is one of the founders of Onyx Fine Arts. Yes, uh, Marilyn Wilkins' brother. Yes, and his work yes, will indeed. be on display. Okay. His work will be on display as well. That's good. And that, that's going to be like, from start from 11 to 5? That will be from 11 to 5. That's our family fun day uh, with all kinds of indoor, outdoor activities at NAM. And then from 5 to 8, we're going to have an after party. 
18 and plus uh, after party where we're going to uh, feature local DJ Con Love, Chakundi Salisbury. We'll be DJing our after party all night. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Lanisha. You're always on, right on top, but I want to go to J.J. Youngblood now because uh, the House of Hope Fellowship is doing something on January 15th, uh, Sunday at 10.30 a.m. So welcome again to Urban Forum Northwest, Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood. Namaste, namaste, Brother Ride, uh, to Dr. Braxton, all of the distinguished guests. Uh, yes, we are uh, celebrating Dr. King during our 10.30 a.m. worship experience on Sunday. Uh, we are grateful that uh, his birthday this year is actually on a Sunday. So we are grateful and we are incorporating that. And we are honored to have you, sir, as our sage, to come in and to share um, relative to King, the man, the minister, and the movement. Uh, one of the things we're doing right now, just just as a little backdrop, um, I was I was led to switch our Sunday school uh, from Sunday school to what is called Didache, which means the teaching, and it is a carrying on of the teaching. And so, you know, we often say that the dreamer was assassinated, but the dream yet lives. So it is up to us uh, to carry on that that legacy to carry on that message and what we're doing right now in Didache that takes place from 9 to 10 a.m. We are actually studying uh, Howard Thurman uh, book, uh, Jesus and the Disinherited. So we are dealing with that on Sunday morning from 10 uh, from 9 to 10. Our worship experience begins at 1030. And so we are doing that and we're doing it uh, in the vein uh, if you read the scriptures in First Chronicles chapter 12, there is a man that is named there by the name of Issachar, and it talks about that he had sons, and his sons basically had their finger on the pulse of the community and what was going on with that. Jesus deals with it in Matthew 16 when he asked the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So here you have the Savior asking the, the disciples basically, what are people saying about me? And so I believe, as Dr. Braxton has stated, as it has been shared by others, that basically the church, it is up to us to bridge, uh, build a bridge between church, community, city, and allow Jesus to walk that bridge. Because as you stated earlier, that King was not just a man. He was not just some, you know, figure, civil rights figure, but he was a minister of the gospel. And uh, I believe Brother Mervyn Warren picks it up uh, real, real, real keen in his book, King Came Preaching, when he talks about some of the struggles of King and that he was borderline manic depressive. You know, that he was he he dealt with depression and things of that nature because of the weight that was on him. But nonetheless, again, the power of God brought him through. And we are just honored on the 15th uh, that you have agreed, sir, to come in and share. Uh, you've shared a number of times with me before you and Brother Tony Orange. And so I'm just grateful again for this Sunday. You're coming in to share with us. We certainly appreciate that. And uh, Pastor Braxton, I, I wanted to uh, ask you, I, I hope he's not on another call, but I wanted to ask you about 
the impact that Dr. King had on you. And uh, I know I was with you once when uh, 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 a, a black gentleman was killed by off-duty King County Sheriff's Officer, uh, Robert Thomas Sr. And uh, you led a march that uh, occupied I-5. I so uh, is that something that uh, you got from studying Dr. King and watching him operate? Well, you didn't want, you're too young to watch him operate. But is that something? Uh, is that something that you uh, grab from Dr. King? Direct action. Well, yeah. I mean, anyone, any African American raised in around conscientious and progressive African Americans, and I'm intentional to say that because all skin folk ain't kin folk. Um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. has been a reference point because he personifies an entire slice of who we are, have been as a people uniquely oppressed in an anti-Black white supremacist society and how we have forged ahead, um, found out how to survival and how to speak truth to power. So Martin Luther King Jr. has been one among the constellation of stars that we reference in our quest for um, survival and upward mobility in this white racist capitalist society. Um, so, and, and then I went to schools that emphasized a, a black church that was activist in Bethlehem Baptist Church, Tacoma, Washington, but also Colgate Rochester Divinity School uh, with its emphasis upon social justice. Uh, Dr. Youngblood's father went to that school. Um, and so I've been in institutions, United Theological Seminary, with an emphasis upon social justice was there. So as a kid, when my grandfather was working on his GED at 62 years of age when he got it and cancer killed him later on that year, I would go to the Tacoma Public Library with him and he would sit me in the audio video department while he did his homework. Um, and I would listen to speeches by Ralph Bunch, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., listening to various speaking styles. Just the tonality, the timbre of Martin King's voice mesmerized me, but the content got in there. And so my whole ministry, like Dr. Youngblood, has been about uh, personal salvation and social justice, two sides of the coin of faith. Uh, it's not just John 3.16, you must be born again, but it's Micah 6 and 8, let justice roll down like waters, righteousness like a mighty stream, or rather, what does the Lord require of thee but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. We lived in a society where most of the people who bought the slaves, captured the slaves, branded the slaves, raped the slaves, tore apart uh, the family systems of the slaves, lynched the slaves, that they wore crosses around their necks, carried Bibles in their hand, went to church on Sunday morning, but they, they castrated the gospel of its prophetic roots and its Deuteronomic underpinnings of justice, justice, the Hebrew said. The, the, the faith that emerged through the Hebrews personified in Christ was always about justice as the character of God. But when you live in a society whose founding and whose global emergence was rooted in injustice to non-white people. You de-emphasize justice. You focus on personal salvation devoid of how you treat other, which is a castration of the whole gospel and a rise of a heretical faith. So white Christianity in America really, uh, in, in, in writ large, is a heretical version of the Christian faith restored to authenticity in the struggles of black people to gain justice 
in an anti-black, white, racist society, believing God for their personal salvation, but also the redemption of our whole society. So absolutely, yes. Martin Luther King Jr. delivers us from the heretical Billy Graham, Billy Sunday version of the gospel. Uh, uh, Dr. Youngblood, you want to have a comment or two before we take the next break in three minutes? Oh, I'll just say real quick, again, ditto to, to what Dr. Braxton just shared, uh, particularly I, I stated, you know, we're, we're studying Jesus and the disinherited. Dr. Thurman talks about he had a conversation with a Hindu, all right, uh, uh, and, and that there, there was a slave ship that was named Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's un unbelievable. Unbelievable, yes. Dan. Look at look at slavery itself, you know. Uh, and you know, uh, we're finding out more and more about black tragedies, and they're finally coming to the surface because uh, some people call uh, you talk about Rosewood, a uh, black Wall Street, and the massacres of black folks, and now they're finding graves everywhere. And another thing we got to look at too is that uh, blacks not only were burned out and lynched, but they took our land. So when people start talking about reparations, you can't talk about reparations just to find just money only. It also has to be land because they took the land. But another thing I think people need to really understand too is that, and Dr. Braxton mentioned it earlier about black folks and our involvement with civil rights. Uh, during the, the, those days, 99% uh, of the people out there demanding civil rights were black people. And uh, I will give uh, one group credit. The Japanese American Citizen League were at Edmund Pettus Bridge in 1965, and they were back there in 2015. So I just want to uh, give some people some credit because uh, we worked very closely with uh, the Japanese community when we moved to Seattle and have a long-term relationship. So what I want to do, I want y'all to hold on for a minute. Uh, Eric, can we take this break and hear a little bit of Dr. King? Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. 
To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Let me say, as I've always said, and I will always continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that non-violence is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. All right, we're back at Urban Forum Northwest. I do want to thank the Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. With uh, John T. Robinson is departed, and Allison Smith is acting. The Port of Seattle's Diversity and Contracting Office of Men Rice, Lawrence Coleman, and Josie Regan. The City of Seattle Purchasing and Construction Services Office. And also CTAC Bar Group, LLC, that has the Mountain Room Bar and Africa Lounge on Concourse A out of CTAC. So we're back, and we've been joined by... Uh, the logistics chair of the CLMLK Organizing Coalition, uh, K.L. Shannon. So, uh, K.L., would you please, uh, I guess you're not giving up the route for the march, but why don't you let us know, let us know, uh, uh, let us know uh, what, what what's needed right now and how is uh, the recruitment of peacekeepers going? Um, we are doing well in the department first, uh, hi, everyone. Good to see you, Eddie. It's always um, good to talk with you, and I appreciate you having you know, having us on the show promoting uh, MLK Day. Um, so it's going really well. Um, we're really happy with um, our security team this year as far as peacekeepers. We're going to have the escalators. Um, you know, we're going to have medics on the ground, um, you know, we'll have a tag team. And so we're very, we're very happy with um, securing the, the teams uh, for the march, getting, getting our community members from point A to point B. And what we're really excited about is that the security team and peacekeepers this year are very diverse. Uh, really have uh, um, really made an effort to have more uh, BIPOC uh, community and leadership um, that look like, you know, many of our community members that attend the uh, the annual MLK rally in March. So we're really excited about that. And, you know, we're in partnership with members of the May 1st Coalition that, that does the uh, May 1st uh, rally uh, every year. Um, we have worked with them uh, the previous year on on the May 1st rally uh, around security. And so in turn, they're going to be working with the annual MLK rally in March security. And that's the first, that's the first time that we've done that. Now, is there a need for any additional people or uh, we have the, uh, the website, seattlemlkcoalition.org. Uh, is, is there mm-hmm. uh, on the website? There's always a need. Yeah, okay. there's always right. a need. Well, yeah, there's I always a need. Yeah, we welcome it. You know, they can contact myself or, or some of the logistical members, uh, Renaissance, myself, Clifton. So there's, all, you know, the more the merrier. 
And can they can they uh, sign up on the website? How can they do that? They can sign up on the website. They can, you know, they can, you know, call myself. They can call Ren. Yeah. So there's well, several ways to. You have to give up a number now. Uh, you can reach me at 206-890-4422. Okay. So everybody heard. So if anybody is going to get her, call me and I'll give you a number. So, Kale, yes. you've been doing this for quite a while. Like people yes. say, yeah, Kale's a young lady, but Kale's been involved with this committee for, I don't know, I, I mean, 20 years or better? Uh, yes, I would say 20 plus years. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Because, uh, I mean, you were real young then, and you're yes. still young. <laughs> Some would say that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's great. I'm glad you guys are doing the good work. And uh, mm-hmm. we did have the county executive on early, and I guess the bus situation has been resolved. The bus situation has been resolved. So and you, and you still can't you still can't tell people where the march is going, right? Yeah. Just and, A to B right now. Yeah, A to B, and it's you know for security uh reasons. That's the only reason um that we're not sharing it. We will share it, share it the day of, but it's really for you know to um you know make sure uh that um the 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 route or the march is not compromised. Well, I, I'll tell you what, because we do have some crazy people running around these days. So uh, I remember what happened over in Spokane. That was probably 15 or 15 years ago. They had planted some pipe bombs along the Spokane MLK march route. Yes. And I guess they were able to, didn't go off, and they were able to, to catch them and detonate them. So, uh, yes. Well, anyway, uh, I want uh, this uh, test grader from Lakeside, the Black Student Union, to, to show his face once again, Mr. F.A. Uh, as a, as a 10th grader FA, uh, what impresses you most about, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Um, that's a good question. I think that just the, his persistence, I think is probably something that impresses me the most. I think he, he had a, a goal and an idea that he wanted to see, see in, in fruition. And he kept he kept fighting for it and kept pushing for it. And I think that's something that can be applied to a lot of things for me and for a lot of other people, especially at this point in my life. So I think that's probably one thing that impressed me the most. Okay. Do you still have COVID? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, it's a good name. We're not in person, <laughs> but you are, you're all right. F.A. I just wanted you to uh, see these people to see you and let me know we have some young folks. He was going to have the BSU. Uh, we had the MLK intern three weeks ago. He's going to have the a Lakeside BSU on, but he fell ill, so we just had him on. So, Kel, do you have any further information uh, for our listening audience? Um, other than you know, some of the you know, um, one of the you know, one of the things about uh, Dr. King, you know, celebrating his legacy, but also highlighting you know some of the issues that are impacting our our you know our communities, and so. You know, um, some of what we're going to highlight is, you know, the juvenile detention center, which we know that Dow Constantine said that they were going to shut down in 2025. So, you know, we're going to make a point to stop by there, as well as um, the Odessa Brown Clinic, um, because, you know, there we know that there's a great deal of renovation that's going on that's going on at um, uh, Odessa Brown Clinic. But um, there really hasn't been. Uh, um, answers to whether or not Odessa Brown Clinic is going to stay 
you know, in the central district. And we understand that there's going to be a, a town hall meeting to, you know, to, you know, to discuss what, you know, what is exactly going on. Um, so we really want to encourage um, community to, you know, to come to that town hall. And then one other um, issue that we're going to highlight is, you know, you know, what is going on in the King County Jail, where there's been a number of community members that, you know, that are committing suicide as well as, as well as dying. And so um, we just, you know, we need to really just highlight what's going on, going on at the King County Jail and, and, and support our brothers and sisters that are, that are there. And the conditions in the King County Jail are horrific are horrific and 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 there needs to be a resolution we also know that dal constantine said that they would be shutting down uh the king county jail in 2025 so well so those would be some of the uh issues that we will that we'll be highlighting along the route okay well that's, that sounds like you got you got a plate full and a handful with mm-hmm. with uh some reasonable uh issues to take care of because i've been hearing and they've had stories about uh, the conditions for folks that have mental health challenges yes incarcerated all across yes. the country and they've yes. not paid, paid much attention to them and are putting them yes. in and uh, it's some and even in solitary confinement but it's yes. a nationwide problem and people don't have any money uh they always get treated the worst because when people have money they can get the proper uh, representation and i guess make the proper donations to have things go their way so uh I really do uh, want to thank uh, Reverend J.J. Your event is January 15th at 10.30 a.m. And the address is 10201 Beacon Avenue South. So that's the House of Hope Fellowship. And then we have uh, Pastor Braxton is hosting the Evergreen Association uh, American Baptist Churches uh, event at uh, 7 o'clock on Monday evening at New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. And that's one... Pastor Baxter, one, what's the, the address? It is 19300 108th Avenue Southeast. 19300 108th Avenue Southeast. Kent. And and uh, the, the, the Northwest African American Museum is on 2400 South Massachusetts Street off 23rd with Jimmy Henry's and Samson's Park. So at this time, I want to thank F.A., I want to thank Lanisha DeBarbalevin, K.L. Shannon, Reverend Dr. Leslie Braxton, Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood for your time today, as well as the county executive. I want to thank him. He should be on the county's name for Dr. King. So we got to live up to Dr. King's ideals in Kane County. So I want to thank mm-hmm. y'all very much. Happy King Day and do something to help somebody and keep being an advocate. So thank you very much for today. Okay. Thank you, Eddie. We appreciate you. Thank you, man. Okay.